Do you fear the zombie uprising? Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now. That's these people. Oh, this is them? Yes. Hmm. I thought it was a whole different group. No, it is this is those this is those them, I think. I'm assuming because I don't think they would have put that much thought into it. Frankly, I'm pissed and bored by this episode. <laughs> not a zombie, not a sausage of a zombie, not one. Okay, do the thing, Tim. Say the words. And welcome to Zompocalypse <laughs> Now, ladies and gentlemen. We are discussing the episode Rendition, which is episode four of the current season, the final season of The Walking Dead. Uh, well, this iteration of The Walking Dead, because it will continue on in a million different spinoffs. But, um, so interestingly enough, uh, several years back, Dustin proposed a thought experiment and a, a, a spin-off idea for The Walking Dead that we actually would, would have liked to have seen, which was this idea that there would be a military unit that would look at the zombie apocalypse and say, we can do something about this and make it just a goal to every day go out and clear out zombies. As many as you can. And it would almost, the show would almost be the way I pitched it, a black comedy, because it would be like these guys, like, you know, yeah, there would be little interpersonal stories and maybe they would, you know, hook up with a couple of civilians, but mainly it would just be a group of soldiers, like their, their base has fallen. They've got, you know, all this, they've got a Humvee, they've got shit ton of, you know, you know, or maybe they didn't lose their base. I can't remember. Like they're just driving around and just killing as many zombies as they can. Go into a town and being like, all right, there's 13 buildings in this town. Let's get to it. And just wrecking the place for zombies. And I feel like somebody heard that pitch and was like, but what if they're crazy? What if they think God is talking to them? Or what if their leader thinks God is talking to them and they all just humor him? This group would never have lasted this long. I'm so mad at this episode. I hated it so much. So much I hated it. I don't know. It seems like a foundation episode that just is This sets up the rest of the season. I don't know how they're going to tie a bow around everything. At the end of this, I'm interested to see where they go from here. Because Daryl's in quite a pickle right now. I don't, I don't even think it ends up setting up the rest of the season. I don't even think it set up, sets up the next two or three episodes. Daryl is in zero pickles. He was in worse a worse situation with, with the saviors. Remember, they made him a slave and psychologically tortured him for weeks. Yeah. This is ridiculous. This story goes nowhere. I hate it. <laughs> I um I don't have any I I was completely nonplussed with it. I mean, I just, I just 
I don't know, man. Maybe I'm maybe I'm getting imp- impatient to you know get this behind me this this particular series but um i don't know um they've got a lot of irons in the fire right now because we've we've got to we've got to have resolution between maggie and negan because they they're going to be married probably any hang on a second just back up daryl is on the run he's sneaking around trying to get away trying to find his friends presumably and he's being pursued by, um, we don't know who they are at this point. They're from, yes, from this, from, from what we know, it's a group that used to hold up in a Burlington coat factory right next door to a spirit Halloween store. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so, like, he does that thing, and this was like, this was, oh, I mean, I, I, I'll have to try and pinpoint when the episode just really lost me, but this was a highlight for me when he killed that walker and then did the, um, the goop, like the walker goops on him thing. Like they haven't done that in a long time. And it was like, oh, hey, I'm so glad Daryl remembered this was a thing that he could do to protect himself. Yeah. I thought that's how the whispers got around, though. Yeah, but they they like took it too far. They 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 went that extra mile. Mm-hmm. I I'll have to go back and because I missed all the whisperer stuff really, except for that last episode about them. Okay, well Daryl uh, eventually gets captured by his ex girlfriend, right? And uh, and they take him back to an interrogation place. They try to get information out of him, and we know Daryl's not going to talk. He's not. He's he was not some... tortured for weeks, weeks and weeks and weeks of psychological torture. He they can... waterboard him twice, and they think he's going to break. Right? No. no, the waterboarding was a little. Uh, uh, oh, these guys are Afghanistan vets. Well, and again, this again, the show is doing. It's going back to that old trope. The military is the, like, these guys were so, so evil in military. They became mercenaries of military mercenaries. We did all the dirty work. And we made, we, and we got paid. We got paid handsomely. And then, and I grew out this mustache. And that's when we find out that not only, aside from, aside from staying in a Burlington coat factory, um, they, they, teleported whole cloth this entire paramilitary group from a cbs show because (laughs) it's a group of extremely attractive mercenaries with all slightly undefined jobs and a really like grizzled character actor leader and one girl and she does something weird with the group she does dogs i was hoping instead of pope his name was going to be joe because G.I. Joe. And that will what happened to all the G.I. Joes. Dozer's in there. But he doesn't have a dozer anymore. I don't know the names of the G.I. Joes. It's bad. That is bad. It's terrible and it was bad and I hated it. Yeah. And, uh, well, they interrogate Daryl a whole bunch and his girlfriend's like, look, just give me something and you can save yourself. And Daryl's like, the leader of this group that I I've barely even knew he was lying. 
Yes. Is a woman. And he embellishes just right to mm. get them to uh to get them to adopt him into their family. And they adopt him and then uh well I don't understand the family dynamic. Are they family or are they? Uh, They're a band of brothers. Yeah, brothers in arms or brothers in arms. Well, apparently one of the fellas brings back a dude who died in the initial battle, I guess, and carries him for ten miles on his back, and I guess it's a big deal, and uh, brings him back to getting buried, and uh, apparently that it upset. Uh, uh, G.I. Jane to know about that. And, uh, you know, she was upset. She said, my brother died. I don't know if it's her brother or not. I don't know. I don't know. It's not. She said it's a little brother I never had. Okay. They're a band of brothers, Curtis. I'm, well, I missed that when I was bored the 30% <laughs> of the time. And uh, there's a neat little part where uh, Daryl's got a cellmate buddy and who's like, hey, Daryl. Hey, Daryl, I'm going to try to be real subtle and say your name and, and let everyone know that I know you. And he's like, fuck you, you pig fart. I, don't talk to me, you jerk. I don't know you. I don't know him. Right. Well, that's, <laughs> you know, the guy gets it like immediately. He's like, I knew we should have slit your throat and then traded you for grade. And like, we didn't ever see that dude again. Like, <laughs> it is this this whole episode like the villain's motivations they like like you said, they they interrogated him for an hour and she was like he's super great and they're like okay awesome i guess we like him now it's been two days yeah and uh we we you know we we checked him out we did the background check which included nothing oh no there's a background check you have to be able to survive <sighs> a burning building which he showed him proof of vaccination, and it was fine. Um, <laughs> so the premise here is, and go, going back to season two is a really good thing, not only for the fact that we're treading the same ground, but we're also treading the same ground because there's like a 4,000-year speech that happens here as Pope basically gives the backstory to everything. More um, than one, because she's got a little speech. Yeah, she, well, her little speech at least is, you know, Daryl has some responses in it. Uh, but Pope is just like, let me tell you a story. Come, sit by the fire as I tell you all about the fact that we were these people and we did these things. And then and, I had a complete mental breakdown. And, and I... <laughs> and and Daryl does a pretty good job of keeping a straight face the entire time and not saying, oh, so you're a crazy person but and i'm a little concerned they talk about this this church on the edge of town and i'm thinking wait a minute didn't we just leave somebody an old burned out church at the edge of town that's probably not good but um he's fine the idea that okay and he describes you know it's the end of the world you get the zombie apocalypse and and apparently there was a government or military firebombing and they were and somehow all the vegetation grew back like really tall trees in just a few years, but we don't anyway. know that this is the same place. Quit it. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But they survived. Okay, now as a soldier, he's going to know that that happens sometimes. That you can be in the middle of like a giant firefight and live, even though you should have died. There's all kinds of stories 
by people who, you know, survived wars who talk about, it's amazing. I should have died and I didn't, and I'm still alive to write my memoirs. Hey, and that's what happened here. And they took it as a sign from God. And on one hand, the fact that you have this close knit group of people who experienced something that gave them a resurgence of lost faith. Great. On the other hand, it's the walking dead, which means that everyone who has faith must either lose it forever, Gabriel, apparently, (laughs) or become the crazy people. And since that works so well over on Fear the Walking Dead, they decided to import it into The Walking Dead. So now we have crazy religious people over here. A a paramilitary cult. Oh my gosh. If If this had happened in season three, if this episode were setting up villains for season three, I would be so excited. But it's not. And I'm just... I'm mad and I hate it. I'm mad and I hate it. <laughs> so we're supposed to believe that this lady, she did dogs for the paramilitary group. She was with them. And when she lost her son, she decided to leave them. And then uh, they found her and she was like, N- it's, decided just to go back with them. Okay, sure, whatever. There is no way that this dude would still be in charge after over 10 years. He's far too crazy. He would have thrown, he would have, how many of them kids has he thrown in the fire for making him mad? They would absolutely, this, he would have been killed by his own group 12 years ago for their own protection. I just hate it. I just hate it. I'm so mad. I'm more mad that I am mad I think, you know, because I really, like, I don't, this show shouldn't affect me like this. I shouldn't be this disappointed in a show that I only mildly like, but well, here we are. Uh, and and to some degree, it's not like you you haven't experienced this before. And I think that's really the problem I have is not that The Walking Dead is dumb because I have I have news. Uh, it's not it's been done before it's the fact that we've gone we we've walked down this road before and it's just it's dressed up a little different there's more of them than you know the last time we had the when when daryl got sucked up by a paramilitary group there's more of them this time they're better trained um all oh, right what is it it's it's circular storytelling right well yeah but uh, the problem is, is that The Walking Dead, once again, has a villain that doesn't actually make a lot of sense. Their, their motivations don't make sense, right? So if they, are, if they are the chosen of God, then why are they going around and destroying other communities? What's the, no. what's the logic? What's the rationale? What's the motivation here? Why are they dressing up in purge masks and being just murdery all over the place we have a lot of talking this episode lots and lots of talking but we don't have any explanation as to why the hell they're doing what they're doing with with negan and the saviors you had you know here's your motivation hey this is a nice town you have be ashamed if something were to happen to it give me me half of your stuff and we'll make sure there isn't an accidental fire Okay, standard shakedown stuff. 
builds a, you know, it grows, it grows your territory, consolidates your power base, et cetera, et cetera. We've talked about the pros and cons of the saviors before, but at the, at the opposite end of that, we got Virginia over on fear of the walking dead, whose control of power never made a lick of sense. Her ability to, to be in charge made no sense, There's, but, but at least there was a motivation, right? So we're got, we've got this, we've got, I got my franchise situation set up, my little towns around here and I'm like, I got my hat. And I'm, I'm ready to meet Teddy Roosevelt. And, and you know, you, you could, while she didn't make sense, the broad strokes idea of the series of communities she was in charge of kind of did. Why are these guys doing what they're doing? Yeah, see, they never give us anything about who they are, or what they want, or why they do what they do. Yeah, why they did just, they just attack those guys out of fucking nowhere? Why'd they do that? Are they just killing people and taking resources? Is that their whole thing? But if that's their whole thing, that does not match with what appears to be their mission. It's bad, and I hate it, and I'm mad. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and you know, as far as setting up a theme of crazy religious people, um, fine. I've never seen that before. Uh, yes, it's it's a it's a huge and and brave move they've made here. But it, we've also talked about this before. I mean, but Daryl gets adopted though by the family so easily, right? Yeah, yeah. We, they lit a building on fire. He gets out the window and and uh, saves his girlfriend, and now he's family, just like at the Olive Garden. Yeah. When you're here and you've survived the inferno. You're family. <laughs> Get this person unlimited breadsticks. <laughs> I think the, uh, it's the endless sour, endless salad bowl inferno. Is that what that is? Yes, and it's a good thing that they they uh, took Daryl in right at this moment because they immediately the leader immediately kills one of his little dudes. Just immediately, it's like you we were running away. You didn't you didn't run towards the firefight, even though you carried your brother back ten miles on your back. You're a baddie, stupid head, and I hate you. And he kills him, throws him in the fire, and he dies steps on his back and just lets him burn to death yes and Everybody all else is the, still eaten just eating yeah all the other little guys are all standing around he would have been able to do this maybe two or three times before somebody was like hey 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 dog lady do we really want to be led by a guy who if we disappointed him even a little bit he's gonna throw us in the fire and the dog lady would have been like no not really i don't think so and then the other guy would have been like, well, you know, maybe we should ditch or kill crazy Colonel. And then they would have done it. to as- sleep sometime. Yeah. Well, he's kind of the example of the, of the supervillain who kills his henchmen just on, you know, you failed me for the last time. Bang. And then, yeah, it's like, yeah. The problem with that is that eventually the henchmen, other henchmen go, I don't feel like getting shot in the face today. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. Yeah, I would have been happy if their little group was named Cobra. Cobra! Part of the problem I have is that it's like they're kind of setting up Pope as like the head of a cult of personality. You know, the idea that that's the explanation for why these people wouldn't have left him is that he's, you know, that kind of when you when you're built, especially when you're building things around a religious subplot kind of thing right so you basically it's these incredibly strong personality people who then 
surround themselves by people who want to be led by a strong personality. And, and certainly you can see that in religious structures. You can see it in military structures. The problem I've got is not, and, and I can't remember the name of the actor who plays Pope. He's doing fine with what he's got, right? Um, again, I, we very rarely are we going to find me bashing too many people on uh, actors here. Richie, Richie Coster, who's been in a lot of stuff. Thomas Crown Affair, True Detective, lots of movies, lots of TV work. He's a good actor. The problem is, is that I just don't buy him as like this charismatic, super powerful leader type. I mean, it's just, it's, he hasn't sold me on that. And that's about the only way I could see that these people would stick around is if there's like, you know, you've got that one person, that almost messianic figure. He's doing a fine job, but I just don't get that vibe. No, I hate it. It's stupid and I hate it. <laughs> Dustin, how do you feel about this episode? I hate it. I'm so mad. You're saying, you're saying it's not your favorite episode. I'm so mad that my that I have let this episode into my heart in enough of a way <laughs> where I am having an emotion about it. What about you, Curtis? Fuck it. <laughs> Curtis sums it up. Okay, let's get on to the next one. It's the same thing we've seen before. That's the biggest sin of this episode. Yeah. We are watching. And if if when Daryl burns this whole thing to the ground, which he's going to do, if they're not like, but why? Like, how? How did you, you know, get past it? If he doesn't say, I've been through worse, I literally said to you, like, the first day, you're not going to break me, I've been through worse than this, and you let me in anyway, and here I am, burning all your shit to the ground now. Killed your crazy leader, dogs coming home with me, I'm taking back custody, I don't care that you do dogs. I would absolutely love to see Daryl basically give them like the reason you suck speech. But this show can't, will not do anything ever that cool ever. Oh, wouldn't that be great? Daryl just standing there going, you're following this idiot. He threw one of your friends in the fire. He thinks yeah. escaping from a burning building is a sign from God. No, it's a sign. He I ate ivermectin to cure COVID. That would be great to see him just go. You people are so stupid. I don't even want to be your friend anymore, lady. <laughs> and then, and um, then he runs into Negan. He goes, "Guy, yeah, Negan, I, I've met some people who wanted to be you, but they were so bad at it. <laughs> and yeah, like it didn't seem like there was any other group around, like any other people. Like they didn't have a community. It was just those eight dudes... And that lady and her dog. But it's the Walking Dead universe where nothing is around anything else unless it's a major city, which is just smack in the middle of nowhere. It's it's a disappointing big reveal for this buildup we've had for these characters. And it doesn't help that we followed up on two episodes where we basically watch them be really terrible soldiers attacking our heroes. And our heroes are all getting away because they've got plot armor but it makes the, these guys look really, really bad at what they do, which means the fact that they've survived and they're chosen by God. It's like, wow, God's found the bottom of the barrel. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I'd like to sum up my thoughts by a quote from the 
the uh, uh, late yet highly acclaimed legend of the Broadway theater, Elaine Stritch, who said so eloquently, who cares? <laughs> oh, there you uh, go. And that's the entire, I mean, that's, that's the entire episode. We don't have, we don't go anywhere else, do we? We don't, we didn't, no. we didn't step no. outside of anybody else. They I thought love, we, I love a good Dell episode, but this wasn't one of them. <laughs> they thought we were going to be so enthused and intrigued by this, this group that they're like, no, no B, B plot at all. We don't need anything. Just Daryl in a room with a blonde lady who likes dogs and a crazy general. That's all we need. Make him give a real long speech. Oh my god. Uh, okay, so in in much better zombie news, um, I just tonight finished the book, uh, The Girl with All the Gifts, mm-hmm. which is a very interesting take on the zombie mythos. Mm-hmm. And I would suggest it to any person who wanted to read or listen to it. And who narrated this for you? I can look it up right this second. It was a lady narrator. I think it's worth mentioning. Uh, it was narrated by Finty Williams. And she does such a good job. Uh, and the book is so good. Uh, it's about 20 years after. after um, you, know, you know that Cordyceps? It's a fungus that uh, attacks ants. Yeah. And like takes over their brains and makes them climb to the tallest tree where they're just eaten by a bird who it goes through their whole digestive system and then it gets pooped out so they can get another ant to climb a tree. Well, that has somehow made the special jump to human beings and created, except for instead of climbing up a tree to get eaten by a bird, when you get infected with the fungus, you want to bite somebody else to, to, to pass the fungus on. And so it's been 20 years since that the downfall of man and the last remnants of the human population have discovered that some of these infected people, especially children, didn't get fully taken over. And so they have brains like they can, you know, there's no people around. They just act like normal kids. And so, uh, so this, facility is opened to study these kids and so they're basically like in a military school and one of the little girl there one of the little girls there is named melanie and she is essentially a genius and cool stuff happens and that's it it's awesome and i would so suggest it there's also a very very good movie version uh, the the author is Mike Carey or M R Carey as he his novels uh, generally list his name as. He is also the guy who wrote the Lucifer series for DC Comics. The, you know the series that they based the TV show loosely on. Uh, he's written for he's written the character of John Constantine in the comics. He's written a series of novels called the Felix Castor, um, the Felix Castor series, and they're basically what if John Constantine was even more of a bastard and played a tin whistle? Seriously, it's they're really good. And he's a really fantastic writer. And I knew him from the comics side of things because I was actually, I read his, his 
his Hellblazer run, and I read his read the Lucifer series, and got into his novels probably six seven years ago, uh, with the Felix Castor books. And the Girl with All the Gifts uh, is really a fantastic novel. If you guys haven't, if you guys have not read it or listened to it, you really should. It's a really good zombie novel. And there's not a lot of great zombie novels. Um, and I always like when there's when they throw a throw something in new to the to the experience and you know the fact that you know hey maybe some of these zombies aren't really zombies is always something nice when i when they're done when it's done correctly definitely worth checking out unlike this episode of the walking dead you know dustin i'm I'm beginning to think that you did not care for this episode i can't quite put my finger on why i'm sorry that you I, i mean i hate to think that i gave that impression but i really didn't Mm, I miss Elaine Stritch, man. She was so nice. You know who's still alive? Who? Elaine Boozler. Well, that's true. Did you know Cassandra Peterson, the person, uh, the personage who plays Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, is 70 years old? And she just came out as being in a relationship with a woman for like the last 20 years? Yeah. Both of those things, but I think the more fantastical is that she is 70 years old. She looks really good for 70. And it looks fantastic. She looks 45. There was somebody I saw online, they said that it's really, really cool that she's she's feels comfortable enough to come out with the fact that she's been in this relationship, that she's, you know, was worried about it impacting her career. We see this a lot with a lot of a lot of uh, actors mm-hmm. and, and performers who are concerned that whether they're you know gay or bisexual or whatever, they're co- they come out they're concerned that they're it's going to hurt their career. But they somebody put out that it's great that she's she feels comfortable to do this. But can you imagine being her girlfriend for the last twenty years? She hasn't been able to say, "My I girlfriend is Elvira." Them. I've been messing with them titties since she was fifty. Yeah, I she mean, has not. She, that's, she's been kept it quiet the entire time. It's like, could you imagine just going, you really want to tell somebody? <laughs> well, I mean, but the good, th- I mean, the weird thing about somebody like Cassandra Peterson and Elvira is that they're almost separate people. Oh, yeah. You know, you could be a huge Elvira fan and not know that they are the, you know, that. She's... Oh, if you see her without the whole getup, she's a, she's a, 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 an attractive woman who looks a little bit like Elvira. If you kind of tip your head and mm-hmm. imagine her with black hair and and low cut dress, but otherwise she just looks like you know this lady right over so here. So it's not like they and you know like if Cassandra Peterson can go out wherever she wants, ain't nobody care. Pepperazzi's not looking for Cassandra Peterson, so they probably didn't have a whole lot of problems being in a relationship you know what i just realized cassandra peterson and elvira have been hannah montana-ing us for 40 years before there was a hannah montana for that reference there was elvira and cassandra peterson lady gaga and jim from jim and the holograms all did it too she's a real life living superheroine because she had a secret identity and nobody really knew who she was. There you go. Her, her I, I autobiography. Actually, so. I just started reading that today. And uh, I've heard good things about it. You have to let me know how it is because I might pick up that one up myself. 
All right, folks, I guess we're going to leave this with Dustin loving this episode. It's his favorite Walking Dead episode of all time, and he can't wait for more episodes exactly like this. (laughs) I'm actually, the the preview for the next episode made me kind of go, okay, I'll I'll, I'll be excited about that. Jude is starting a child army, so let's do that. That'll be fun. (laughs) Well, it looks like we're going to get a, B, and C plots next episode as well. So we've got a little bit of Negan, a little bit of Eugene and company, and then back at Alexandria and Judith's child army uh, should be at least more interesting than this episode and hopefully fewer speeches. So <laughs> Judith does a soliloquy from Macbeth. <laughs> See, that would be okay. I'd be all right with that because I'm sure it would be very, very adorable. From hell's heart, I strike at thee. <laughs> is this a dagger I see before me? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> Stop the zombie with the dagger. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, I wish you could to... insert insert the uh, Monty Python version of that, where the, it's the military go- guys going, is this a dagger I see before me? And they're marching. You know, it's you, know of... you know, I can't wait to watch... Um, the the night of the living dead tv series which we have i think we have to to do at some point because i hear it is actually very funny and you know i would love for a little bit of like back to the well everybody well you know give us something else give us zombies in a different way stop giving us zombies entirely so that we can maybe i don't know we can change the name of the podcast to psychological horror apocalypse now i don't know might be a little long a little unwieldy hard to fit on the tin (laughs) well fuck it (laughs) and curtis sums it up for all of us ladies and gentlemen as always we appreciate you listening to us ramble on you can find us on Facebook and Twitter, podcast.com, iTunes, all the different podcast places. There, We're on a lot of them. Not quite everything, but you can find us. Just do, do a little search and uh, let us know what you think. Let us. Every 10th comment, we send a basket of fruit. Not to you. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> whose budget are we sending fruit to? Someone, uh, someone in need. There you go. Get a fruit basket with every 10th comment. So stop sitting on your thumbs. All right, folks, we do appreciate it. Like I said, um, leave us a comment. Leave us a rating. Ratings and comments are good. They do, of course, help people find the show. It's all about algorithms, folks. That's how it works. All right. Well, thank you, Dustin. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Curtis. Thank you, Tim. And thank you, folks. Again, we'll see you on our next episode of Zompocalypse Now. Zompocalypse Now is produced and recorded by Timothy Harvey, Dustin Adair, and Curtis Smith for Just Some Guy Productions. All rights reserved.